Welcome to Sustainably Speaking. I'm Joshua Baca. On today's episode, we're going to explore how the same plastic used to safely deliver your favorite takeout meal are also playing a vital role in creating a low-carbon future. It may seem counterintuitive, but all alternative energy infrastructure utilizes plastic. Why? Because plastic is a versatile material that lowers our carbon footprint by enabling us to do more with less. The solar panels on your neighbor's home rely on plastic parts to deliver power cost-effectively. And the wind turbines you pass by on your road trip are made from massive yet lightweight plastic resin-fortified blades. This is all made possible through plastic makers and manufacturers who continuously innovate and provide the materials needed to upgrade infrastructure. Joining me today is Christine Bryant. Senior Vice President of Polyurethanes at Cavestro, one of the leading plastic companies moving us towards a lower carbon future. Christine, tell us a little bit about Cavestro. What does Cavestro do and how is it contributing to a low carbon future? Thanks very much for inviting me, Joshua. I greatly appreciate being able to be on this podcast with you and have the opportunity to speak about Cavestro. As you may know, Covestro is a leading manufacturer of raw materials that go into the polyurethanes, the coatings, adhesives, and specialties, as well as the plastics industries. We invented, quite frankly, polyurethanes and polycarbonates, and we're very happy to be here to share our vision for the circular economy. If we take a look at our company, where we were and where we're going, we actually have announced a vision to advance the circular economy and ultimately to become fully circular and eventually carbon neutral. As you can imagine, this is a huge change and refocus in the way we do business. If we look at what that pathway entails, taking a look at the raw materials that we employ, we want to consider using alternate raw materials such as biomass, carbon dioxide, and others to replace fossil resources. In addition to that, we're looking at advanced innovative recycling technologies to allow for more waste disposal. So more waste materials may be recycled as opposed to being landfilled. The third option, of course, is to incorporate renewable energy, such as wind and solar, because we know that renewable energy will certainly power a circular economy. And last but not least, what we also know is we can't do this alone. So we need to look at collaborations across industry, trying to develop joint solutions to ultimately bring circular economy to life. That's a great segue, Christine. And you have a unique role. Tell us a little bit more about your role specifically. What do you do for Covestro and and how are you working to address some of these issues? I have the role of uh, leading the polyurethanes business here in North America. So the products which we employ are um, looking at polyurethanes going into rigid and semi-rigid foam applications. So one of the three pillars of our company. In addition to that, I have the extreme pleasure of also participating as a member of the ACC's uh, Sustainability Committee. So looking at how industry-wide we can um, help to develop and cooperate and collaborate to ensure that we're driving forward with potential solutions for the industry. In addition to that, I also serve as the vice chair of the Plastics Operating Committee, uh, for which we as an industry are looking at how we can drive a variety of different options, not only from a recycling standpoint, but also from an energy standpoint. 
that's great. And your leadership is much appreciated across all of our work. Uh, maybe we could shift to the topic of in a little bit greater detail about sustainability. What does sustainability mean to you? And what kind of infrastructure do we need to create to build that lower carbon future that so many industries are aspiring for? I think sustainability is critically important to all of us, not not just myself, right? I think we all in, envision a world where uh, we ultimately use less energy and subsequently ensure that the materials that we're producing, regardless of what they are, ultimately don't end up in landfill. So that's why I think it's critically important from an infrastructure standpoint that there's a focus not only on recycling, but also looking at, you know, an infrastructure for renewable energy generation. If we take into consider recycling, we need to really upgrade a number of things in the U.S., right? So we need to have much better forms of collection, sortation, et cetera, so that any of the materials that are being produced are not disposed. Some way, shape, or form, we take those materials and they can subsequently be produced or reproduced into new materials and products. This can be done through mechanical recycling, which is currently used in a number of plastic applications and polyurethane applications where a plastic product may be reused in clothing, let's say, for example. But in addition to that, the industry is also a big proponent of advanced recycling methods, uh, such as chemical recycling. And, and here we're taking a look at those materials that are a bit more difficult to recycle, those that normally may end up in a landfill, some way, shape, or form, ultimately recycling them back into their original components so that they may be used again. So infrastructure means, you know, how do we collect, sort, and then subsequently reuse those materials? Secondly, it's also critically important to build a complementary infrastructure around renewable energy generation. And here we're talking about wind and solar in both of these um, application areas are certainly going to help us to transition to a lower carbon future. That's great, Christine. And, and maybe to kind of build on that thought process a little bit, when we start thinking about a low carbon future, you know, you mentioned the need for wind and for solar and, you know, for reusing and re utilizing the resources that we already have more efficiently. This is a question that maybe some of our listeners might not know the answer to or might not even appreciate it. But how does plastics, how does polyurethane, you mentioned polycarbonate, how do these materials actually contribute to making that low carbon future? Joshua, that's a terrific question. And uh, from our perspective, we look at plastics, and I think most of our peer companies would agree, these materials are an indispensable modern way of life. If we take a look at what we all just went through with the pandemic, and we think about the technologies that were employed there in the healthcare industries, uh, they would not have been possible without the use of plastics and advanced raw materials. Likewise, even the administration of all of the vaccinations, that whole infrastructure would not be possible without plastics. So we know that these materials are going to power a lower GHG future. And I can give you a few additional examples as to why that's so, right? Plastics, advanced materials may be used in a variety of different applications, such as insulation, building insulation that may be used in your house to reduce energy consumption, light weighting of vehicles, right? When you look at composites, et cetera, the light weighting of materials is certainly going to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We also know that Composites are used, made from polyurethanes or epoxies, 
for wind blades and turbines, and coatings are used on solar panels. And last but not least, when you think about your new electric vehicle or that charging station, those applications would not be possible without the use of advanced plastics like polycarbonate. Now you're talking about topics I get excited about. A few weeks ago, we had the sustainability lead for Ford talking about the role that a variety of materials in the plastics industry play in lightweight vehicles. And one mention was the use of polycarbonate. You talk a little bit here about charging stations and electric batteries. Tell us a little bit more about what Covestro is doing in this space. We're working, we're collaborating, not only in conjunction with a variety of the members within the tier systems in the automotive industry, but also in collaboration, of course, within the associations in terms of how can we utilize our materials to better improve the application properties and certainly advance the use of, of these materials. Our polycarbonates business, we've been involved in the automotive industry since its inception. And, and these materials have been used in a variety of different applications in, in automotive. Uh, certainly most prevalent is the use of polycarbonate at headlamps. But then, of course, we recognize that because of its light weighting and stability, thermal stability, the materials may also be used in, in these battery packs um, as well as the charging stations. And here, as I said, we're working in conjunction with the automotive industry as well as the tiers to optimize those applications uh, in using these products. That's some exciting stuff. And there is a lot of debate both from a public policy perspective and a variety of industry stakeholders who are having discussions about the future of electric vehicles and the need for batteries to last longer and the need for more charging stations. And I think it's pretty clear Covestro is going to be at the forefront of that. And, you know, more importantly, plastics in particular are going to be needed to reach those U.S. and global sustainability goals. You touched a little bit on the area of collaboration, you know, working with the automakers and a variety of other stakeholders. How important is collaboration both among the value chain and other public entities and maybe building a lower carbon future as well? Thanks very much for that question. I, I think most companies recognize that we can't do some of these things alone, whether we're talking about the in innovations that we've had over the past number of years or when we look at sustainability initiatives moving forward. You know, this is part of our objective, our four key critical areas in driving for that circular economy and or sustainable future. So we know that collaboration is, is critically important. In addition to the automotive industry, maybe one example that I can highlight is that we have formed a collaboration with the Mattress Recycling Council. So in addition to polycarbonate, of course, our company manufactures materials that go into rigid and semi-rigid foam. And if you look at one of those examples um, here, you consider a mattress in your house. Unfortunately, you know, these materials oftentimes are not recycled and subsequently end up in a landfill. But Covestro, as well as the Mattress Recycling Council, has a vested interest in making sure that those materials, some way, shape, or form, are collected, sorted, and subsequently recycled. So we formed this partnership and we're taking the best technologies and applications that we can from both entities to determine how best to optimize that situation. So from Covestro, we have a number of technologies 
including the use of a waste feedstock, carbon dioxide, if you would, to manufacture some of our polyols. So these materials may be used as a substitute feedstock in these polyurethane foams. In addition to that, we've also recently just launched a pilot facility that uses chemolysis, which enables those raw materials in the foam to be broken down back into two key raw materials. Ultimately, then, they may be regenerated into the mattress. Now, we've got the chemistry side, let's say, um, and here the Mattress Recycling Council brings to the table their huge infrastructure of collecting, processing, and recycling large numbers of mattresses. So we've been working together to, to, to take the best of both of these worlds uh, to determine how to optimize that situation moving forward. So we see that collaboration is kind of one step in our path to achieving a fully circular application area. Hi, during this short break, I want to encourage you to visit americasplasticmakers.org and download our new policy vision for accelerating a circular economy for plastics. Leaders from across our industry are united to propose a federal path forward that will help move our nation towards a more sustainable future. Now back to the show. One topic I'd love to get your opinion on this idea about the industry as a whole. And I'm curious if you agree with the statement that it will be really difficult to achieve a low carbon future without the business of chemistry and plastics playing a critical role. Do you agree with that? I 100% agree with that. So again, no one company, governmental agency, et cetera, is going to be able to do this by themselves. And we certainly know innovation, I mean, which is what we, you know, we, we really pride ourselves in as a company. Innovation is critical to our success. It's enabled us to create a multitude of materials that help to enhance all of our lives. By the way, our peer companies have done the same thing. But we also recognize that technology and the use of some of these materials is also going to be needed in order to extract those products or find a way to reuse and regenerate those products in the future. Likewise, there are a number of different other technologies, not only chemical or mechanical recycling that's critically important, but there are other types of technologies that could also be employed when we're thinking about recycling and renewing materials. As one example, blockchain could be considered uh, for sustainability purposes. And here, I think most of us recognize blockchain from the financial world. But if we look at it from a sustainability standpoint or recycling standpoint, if each player in the value chain could supply a separate information block from its process area, uh, and all of that information would be digitized, at the end of the blockchain, a recycling company would have very important information about what can be recycled and how. And we think this is a fantastic boost to, to closing the material loops and a great example of how new technology can help to reduce carbon emissions. That's a fantastic story. And I bet most listeners probably don't connect the dots around the issue of blockchain and circularity and sustainability. Maybe I can uh, take you back to one other thing you mentioned. I asked you a similar question about the role plastic products play in lightweighting vehicles and reducing greenhouse gas emissions. 
But you also mentioned uh, the role plastics play in insulating buildings to make them low carbon and to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Same type of question. To our average listener, they might not understand how plastics are playing that role. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? If you take a look at uh, the term plastics, here we're looking at the term plastics as a broader term. And there are a number of raw materials that uh, may be employed at insulating a building or your home, polyisoboard or spray foam insulation. When these materials are employed, you're adding additional insulating properties to your home and subsequently improving the overall performance in saving energy emissions, right? So you don't have to use ultimately as much energy to heat or cool your home. And it's a very, very effective way to minimize the use of energy. And I think that's such an important point you mentioned there. Most end users might only think of plastics being the material that goes into your food packaging, but it it is a broad term and uh, it plays a critical role in addressing a lot of the raw materials that we need to achieve these sustainability goals. Maybe I can ask you a question here and give me your thoughts. You know, what, what are some bigger picture things that we need to do as a country to continue to build on this low carbon future and and making our our society more sustainable and caring about these types of issues? Well, that's a challenging question, uh, Joshua, and and, and there are a number of facets to that question. So I, I think fundamentally, there has to be a demand from end users and markets for more sustainable products. So, so there has to be this demand. And we have to figure out how to bring through these various value chains to bring these decarbonization strategies to life. From an industry level, we really do want to achieve a lower carbon strategy. But of course, we need direct investments such as initiatives to decarbonize that fit into the broader roadmap to deploy capital towards the most critical and impactful efforts. And of course, for all of us in this industry, there is no one size fits all. And uh, companies, you know, need to consider a variety of different abatement technologies to determine which one of them is ultimately going to fit their sustainability goals. While of course, even enhancing profitability, right? So, So also critically important. Well, there are a variety of different technologies that could be employed. And of course, as I said, no one answer is going to be fit for all companies. I mean, you could look at emissions capture, energy abatement techniques, use of lower emissions feedstocks, and improved production proficiencies. So all of these could be employed. And, and, you know, being a global company, we not only have to take a look at the landscape of where we sit here in, in the U.S., but, of course, where we are on the global scale as well, as are many other companies. And, of course, there are different regulations in all of these countries that will certainly impact the level of decarbonization required to do business. So a lot of things to be considered in this regard. Maybe uh, we could wrap up with a few questions about you. You've had a great career at Cavestro. You've told me a little bit about that in our conversations. You know, the issue of a sustainable future is an emerging topic that more people are tuning into on a regular basis. And consumers are demanding a lot of the sustainable solutions. You know, throughout your career, what are some of the most important lessons you've learned that are guiding you today and addressing some of these critical challenges we face so I've, I've worked at Covestro for a number of years. And as I stated before, 
we pride ourselves on technology and innovation. And I, I actually truly believe, and it's one of the reasons why I've really enjoyed working at this company. We've created a number of products that, that really make, you know, life more livable and much more productive. And I also know that through innovation, um, both independently, so as ourselves as a company and collectively, that's the only way that we're going to be able to deliver this new task of a sustainable future. And I also know that we as a company and also as an industry, um, we have a responsibility to ensure that sustainable future. So I'm very excited about it. To me, again, all of this is, you know, a different form of innovation that we're looking at now to drive this a sustainable future. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Just two points. And these come from our CEO, Marcus Steileman. You know, he mentioned this recently during an investor call. And, and basically, he stated, you know, as an industry, there's two transitions that we as an industry have to master. So we know that our industry requires a lot of energy. And we need to figure out a way to become climate neutral and carbon dioxide emission neutral. And we have to figure out how to master that raw material transition from going completely away from oil and gas towards renewable resources, trying to find a way to use those materials again. And then secondly, all of the materials that our industry produces, we need to figure out how to ensure that those materials don't end up in landfills and subsequently don't end up in oceans. You know, it's our job to figure out how best to make sure that they are recycled and reused in some particular way. That's great. Christine, thank you so much for taking time today. We've enjoyed the conversation uh, and we look forward to talking about these topics with you again soon. Thank you, Joshua. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sustainably Speaking and a special thank you to Christine for joining us. If you have any thoughts to share from today's episode, consider including it in a rating or review and be sure to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can also reach us directly at sustainably speaking at americasplasticmakers.org. We'll be back in your podcast feeds on August 2nd for a conversation with Huntsman CEO Peter Huntsman about improving energy use in buildings while reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Together, we can change our perspective, our behavior, and the world. I look forward to sustainably speaking again soon.